Thanks, Mark. I have a really close friend. Uh, her name is Heidi McClure. And she always takes everything people say kind of literally. It just is the way her brain works. And so when Mark said that I was battling a bug, I you know, pictured me out in the field battling a mosquito or you know, a ladybug or something. And I'm not sure who won yet. Uh, I went to the doctor on Mark's great advice. And same doctor Scott and I have been seeing for 28 years, no, 26, since our first kid was born. He delivered, Dr. Weber delivered him, her, and uh, he said, hmm, he kind of does this little nod, and he goes, yeah, Sharon, you got the crud. <laughs> and I said, hmm. And my first thought, which I've learned, don't ever let your first thought out of your mouth uh, right away. I'm learning. I, let me say that I'm learning, was, hmm, I think he might need some med more medical school. So that's not very technical. I've been watching too much House where everything is technical and all these words that you don't understand. Okay, let's get back on track. I'm glad to be here. We, for this short season, are talking about Romans 14, 17. And uh, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, which Mark talked about last week, and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Bridgewood wants to be a church that's about living the kingdom of God, bringing the kingdom of God, being in the midst of the kingdom of God in action. And last week, Mark did an excellent job of reminding us how we're all right. And we know we're all right because we're in Christ. And when we know that we've been made right with God, we can begin to live right. Living right's not a matter of what we eat or what we drink, right? Remember, Mark was talking about that. It's not about the rules. And he actually said that Sometimes the more we make our own rules, the more we miss out on true righteousness because we don't want the rules to be our guide. We want Jesus to be our guide. And he's the one that we need to look to to make sure that we settle into the place of that we're all right. And we see the kingdom when we're about righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And this week, we're going to talk about peace. You know, I was sick this week. I can't remember the last time I've been sick enough to miss work. And I worked from home a little bit on the message and, and stuff, but isn't it interesting in the, in the week that I have to speak about peace, I'm really having a hard time finding peace. And it's just interesting that life is like that, isn't it? Your head knows where peace is, but how come we can't get there? How come it's so hard sometimes to find it? And I hope today we can just start to dip into that a little bit. This is just the beginning of a great, great big topic on peace. But maybe we can just start to dialogue a little bit about that. So before we start, let's pray. Father, thank you that you sent your son to bring peace to earth. And I pray, Lord, that in our conversation today, you would help us understand a little bit more what your view of peace is and that you would help our view of peace come into alignment with yours. In Jesus' name. So when you guys think of peace, when, the, when I say peace, what comes to your mind? What image comes to your mind? I pulled up a few that we could think of. Maybe it's a garden. Maybe you like to garden half of the year in Minnesota, and you like being in the garden. My friend that I went to seminary with, gardening was her quiet place. It was her time with Jesus. It was a great place of peace. Maybe it's sitting somewhere warm and tropical when you can see the ocean floor even if it's 30 feet deep. 
because the, the water is just so crystal clear. Maybe that brings you peace. I love the sound of the ocean. Scott hates it. <laughs> he thinks it's interruptive and annoying. I love that rhythm of the sound of the ocean waves. Maybe it's wide open spaces, a place where nobody else is around and, and you just are with nature. For Mark Spencer, it's walking in the woods. What brings you into a place of peace? Maybe it's reading a book, just a day with no demands, no agenda, just time to just be, get lost in a story. There's no bugs in this scene, by the way, because there wouldn't be peace with, with bugs. Maybe it's fishing. We do live in Minnesota, the land of 10,000 lakes, which is really like 15 to 20,000 lakes, but maybe it's fishing. You know, you found the perfect spot, you got the perfect bait, you got the perfect snacks in the boat, and the fish are biting. Maybe it's that. This would be for me. I asked last service how many of you that the golf course would be a place of peace. Anybody want to guess how many hands went up? One. <laughs> that one right over there. <laughs> Anybody in here? Is the golf course a place of peace? There's one, two, three, four, five. Woo! We could start a golf tournament. It's just a place of just, a place where you go, a place that you can get into. How about for you guys, what is a place of peace? When, you, when I say the word peace, what comes to your mind? Grandchildren. Grandchildren. Anyone else? The beach. Love the beach. Home. Campfire, staring in the fire. That's a good place to get lost. Eternal life spent with the Lord. With the Lord. Tom, you want to come preach the rest of this? Because that's the one thing that will never change. Church, hopefully church is a place of peace. Some, these places help us connect with peace. So I just want to talk about, you know, just get you thinking about what is that for you personally? Answer that question for yourself. Because people don't naturally know the way to peace. We don't. Paul writes about it in Romans. He says, I think it's up here, he says, their feet, and he's talking about people who don't know the Lord, their feet are swift to shed blood, in their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. I love the New Living Translation. It says, they don't know where to find peace. And how many times in life do we go, oh my gosh, if I could just have peace and contentment in my brain and in my spirit and in my heart, where is it? I don't know where it is. And actually, Paul's making a, a reference to the ancient prophet Isaiah in verse 59, or chapter 59, verse 8. Isaiah writes, the way of peace they do not know. This is an ongoing issue. People don't know the way to peace. And there's no justice in their paths. They have made their roads crooked. No one who treads on them knows peace. The pursuit of peace is something we're always after. And we're about and we want and we desire. 
It's in us. It's innate in us that we desire peace. We long for it. We long for contentment. And in this season, the season of celebrating God sending his only son for us, we see the answer, Tom Wald. It's in Jesus. When John the Baptist was born, his father, Zechariah, gave a prophecy. And he says this in Luke chapter 1. And you, child, John the Baptist, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. People need a guide to find peace. We don't naturally get there. We sometimes have to fight to get there. We have to go to those places that we know peace is present. Shalom is the Hebrew word for peace, and this is what it looks like when it's written. The Hebrew language is really super interesting because it's really earthy. I remember reading Old Testament scriptures for some of the first times, and I would be like, does this mean what I think it means? And my hermeneutics professor would say, yep, that's exactly what you think it means. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just come ask me after service. But it's earthy, it's raw, it's real. They, they uh, equate a lot of things to nature. They feel things. It has emotion. It has great intent. Shalom, when they would say shalom in greeting or in, in farewells, it would mean more than just hello or goodbye. It would mean wholeness to you, contentment to you, peace to you, nothing missing, nothing out of place, nothing out of order, all as it should be to you. And they would bless each other in this greeting. When we say, hi, how are you? There's not a blessing in that. It's just, it's a greeting and it's good and we use it. We're not gonna not use that. But when we say shalom or peace to you, or peace be with you. We're saying blessings to you, wholeness to you, contentment, nothing missing, nothing lacking, all that you need, may it be with you. And in one way, we're also saying, Jesus, be with you. Yeshua is called Sar Shalom, Prince of Peace. It perfectly describes Jesus being the Prince of Peace. Therefore, whenever we employed the word shalom, we're speaking into someone's life all things wonderful, all things good, all things complete. And Jesus did this. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 20. It's, it's an age-old tradition in the church to share peace. And it's scripturally based. And we'll see that now in John chapter 20, we're going to read verse 19 and a few right after that. Starting in verse 19, we have, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. These disciples have been with Jesus for three years and they've just watched him be crucified and died. 
and rose again. What they thought their Messiah was going to be to them, they're probably in a little bit of shock because that's not how it turned out. What they expected is not what they got. So they're trying to comprehend this. And there's persecution happening in, in the town. And so they're hiding and they're behind locked doors. And then Jesus shows up. And what's the first thing he says? Peace be with you. What is Jesus doing? He's blessing them. He's saying wholeness, completeness, everything as it should be is with you. And he shows them his hands. And he shows them his feet so that they know it's Jesus. And so the, I can imagine them trying to reconcile. This is what I would do. I would try and reconcile. Okay, Jesus is here, and he's saying, peace be with you, and here he is standing before us. In verse 21, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. And then he adds this, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. When things are repeated in Scripture, pay attention. So Jesus says, peace be with you again. And then he adds, because I'm sending you. Jesus knows what they're going to need. And they're going to need to know that Jesus is peace, Jesus is with them, because they have a job to do. Send, he's sending them. I'm sending you, so peace be with you, because you're going to need it. And then we have... Our beloved disciple Thomas come in. We love the disciples. They so reflect us, don't they? Thomas is doubting. And in verse 26, it's eight days later. Verse 26, it says, Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. It's the third time Jesus is saying that. Peace be with you. And again, he showed them, mainly Thomas. <laughs> he showed Thomas his wounds. And not only did he show Thomas his wounds, he said, Thomas, come and touch it. Can you imagine Jesus standing there and you get to actually touch his wounds? It's a very intimate place. Thomas is touching the wounds of Jesus who said, peace be with you. Can you imagine, just imagine being in that room. There's peace in that room. There's peace in the room because Jesus is there. And he blesses them. He blesses them with this gift. Peace is a gift. It's a blessing to be given and received. We see in John 14, 27, I'm leaving you with a gift, Jesus says. This is before he's crucified. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. Jesus is in, himself is peace. He embodies it. Everywhere he goes, he brings peace. Even when on tribal, trial, even on the cross, he is peace. And he models something for us. Peace be with you. Does anybody play sports as a kid or coach sports or have kids who play sports? I'm assuming I'll get more hands than the golf question. <laughs> what do the kids, what do they do after, after the game? Do they do this? They shake hands. They say, good game, good game, good game. It's a really... Um, 
time-honored tradition. During the game, they fight, they engage in battle, they conquer, or they suffer defeat. But at the end of the game, the athletes are not at war. By a simple hand gesture, athletes declare that they are at peace. I used to coach softball for my daughter's team. It was when they were in 7th and 8th grade. So it, it's not that impressive because they're just learning. But it was fast-pitch softball. And those girls at that age, 13, 14, 12, they were tough. And they could really trash talk the other team quite a bit. Now, you had to put some boundaries on them because their excitement and enthusiasm for their own team and the ability to um, make fun of and ridicule the other team and, and trying to intimidate them could go too far. But they were passionate about it and they wanted to win. That's the goal when you play sports. It's to win. Some places would tell you that it shouldn't be the goal to win, but I'm still in the camp that the goal of the game is to win. And so they, we would teach them how to play well and how to win, and we would teach them sportsmanship on the way. Some of the girls could get so worked up during the game at ridiculing, and then some of the other team members would ridicule back, there's these little grudges that would happen. You know, it's why you see fights in a football game or something, because someone says something out of line, and, you know, well, this would happen in girls' softball in a way that it would just be spoken, but I don't think they ever acted on it. That would be really weird. Anyway, <laughs> at the end of the game, I would tell them, okay, let's go shake hands. And the coaches and the players would go shake hands. And some of the girls were still holding their grudge. And I'd be like, the game's over. It's done. Now, you go sh now we shake their hands and we say, we're at peace with you. Everything is good. Until next time, you were a worthy opponent if we lost. Good game, good game. You know, good game, good game. And we wouldn't actually shake hands. You'd do this, good game. And then someone on the other team would spit on their hand, and then you'd have to deal with that, and you know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but the tradition had the right motive. The tradition was we're no longer at war. Peace to you. We're at peace with each other. Christian worship is filled with all kinds of tradition. All kinds of profound actions. We bow our heads in prayer. We raise our hands in worship. We stand in reverence during scripture readings sometime at, at some liturgical churches. We come forward for communion or offering. We have all kinds of traditions. We have traditions modeled by Jesus, and the one that modeled is, that's modeled by Jesus, peace be with you. The Apostle Paul opened all 13 of his letters with a peace blessing, peace and grace to you. Well, I wonder why he did that. I think he was he was, it was modeled for him by Jesus. Peter, John, and Jude all blessed their audiences with peace in their letters. And even the writer of Hebrews, who no one knows, gives a blessing of peace in his benediction. A gesture of blessing with peace is simple, but the meaning is profound. It's extending your hand and saying, peace be with you. May Jesus be with you. May the wholeness, the completeness, the awesomeness, everything that Jesus has for you be with you. It's blessing. And it's so funny because 
it, you could, if we were to do that during our greeting time, which I'm not going to recommend, but that we change what we're doing, but I just want to understand how blessing each other is so valuable. What we're really doing is saying, peace be with you in the responses and also with you. Now, some of us who may have a Catholic background or a liturgical background will have an allergy to that because we were had to do it. We were forced to do it. It became rote. It became meaningless. But that's up to us how it is. If we say, peace be with you, and we know that we're saying, Jesus be with you, may his wholeness be with you, everything that he has before you, it's not rote, and it's not empty. They're profound, profound words that were modeled by our Savior Jesus. It's an expression of the kingdom with us. So today we're going to practice that. What if it became our norm here at Bridgewood to bless each other? What if it became our norm to say, Jesus be with you? How often do we hear Brendan talk about Jesus being with you? Be with Jesus. Ask him what he's saying. Ask him what he wants you to know. Be with him. Be with him. Be with him. And now we're blessing each other for Jesus to be with you. Peace be with you. Jesus be with you. So today we're going to take a moment and practice. And one way to look at it is you're all free from making small talk. So here's the practice. I really want us to do this. Stand up and use the person's name. So we would say, Tammy, peace be with you. And she would say, and also with you, Sharon. Can we do that? But remember, keep this in mind when you're saying peace be with you. You're saying Jesus be with you in all his wholeness, in all his glory, in all his completeness, in everything he has for you, be with you and bless the person back. So we'll take a minute and find two people. If you don't know their name, ask their name. You have permission to ask name, even if you think you should know it because you've seen them a hundred times at church. With you, Katie. Katie. That's a that's a no. That's a name I should have known. <laughs> Katie. Thank you. Ever since uh, Scott and I came back in March, this has been a just such a strong community already, and you can see it amongst yourselves because some of you guys cheated. You talked a little bit more. You gave hugs. Um, I just, I just am wondering, and I'm just asking the question, 
if the Lord wants us to make sure that we're blessing each other and we're loving each other. And as we do that, our community will grow. So you can ask the Lord that too. If that's just a way for us to love each other and bless each other. And when we greet each other, that we continue to ask for people's names and get to know each other a little bit more. Remember the images of peace we started with? I put some up on the screen and you had some in your hearts of what you thought were places that helped, you, helped usher you into those places. Places, people, situations that represent peace to us, they're situational. Do you know what I mean when I say they're situational? They'll, they're, they'll come and go. They're not finite. They're not infinite. They're finite. You know, Mark's a counselor, and, and there's something called situational depression. Maybe you're having a really, really hard season in your life, and for a, for a season, you're just really depressed, and you need some help for that season. We have a greater peace, a greater peace that doesn't go away. Because even, because anytime we try and put our, our, I don't know, security into those places, like, oh my gosh, I need a vacation so bad. It's true, you need a vacation. But I want to be, I need Jesus so bad, and Jesus and me need to go on a vacation. When Jesus first, because Jesus is the peace that will never fade. He's the peace that will never go away. Even afflictions. Even illnesses will fade. They're not permanent, even if you have them your whole life. For those who know Jesus, afflictions are not permanent. We prayed for Charlie Caliendo, and we will continue to stand in that gap, and we will continue to pray for him, and we will turn up the volume on our faith, and we will do what we need to do to stand with him and Barb in, in this situation. And if you dig just a little bit below that, we also can have peace because we know no matter what happens, our peace is not in the circumstances or the outcome. Our peace is in Jesus. And no matter what happens here on earth, for those who have Jesus, the afflictions will stop. And we can hang on to that. I uh, was raised uh, with a brother and he was eight years older than I was. His name was Ron. And we called him Ronnie, actually. And he had muscular dystrophy. And muscular dystrophy is a disease that um, just eats away at your muscles. And it starts with, you know, you, you, you just aren't able to walk. Your body's just not able to hold your weight. And I remember being a little girl, and I was in the TV room, and I was watching Ronnie go from one room to another, and he fell. And I'll never forget that. And in my mind, in my child's mind, and my mom and dad are both past, so I don't know if this is true, but in my child's mind, that was, that was the last time he ever walked. And so then he's in a wheelchair. And then the more the disease comes on, the more that it cripples. And then you can't use your arms, and then his lungs couldn't work, so he had to be on a ventilator. And, you know, it's just... 
this disease. And I had the privilege of praying with him to receive the Lord. And so, you know, we would have conversations. And I remember one time he said, if things were different, I'd have a family. If things were different, I'd have kids. I don't know why that happens. I don't know why there's affliction. I don't know why there's sickness. I don't know why we have troubles, but I know that Jesus said we'd have them. So I want to get past that why, and I want to get to the peace of, in it, Jesus is with us. And in it, Jesus is peace for me, when I can get into his presence. And knowing that Ron knew the Lord, he's not afflicted anymore. The pe- that's gone. I went to a funeral last month of a nine-year-old. She's not in any more pain. It's over. When you can get to that place where you know Jesus that well, it surpasses the logical thing of unfair, why, and that stuff that muddles our mind and we can get to the place of, I know Jesus, and he brings me peace. If you're not sure about that, ask him what he wants to what do you what he wants you to know about it. John 16:33 says, "I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world." <laughs> so when life brings a boatload of sickness or a, or family crisis or uh, a, you know, just a busload of financial struggles and, you know, you, could, you know the list. We all face them. The answer Mark gave us last week that knowing we are all right happens when we are in Christ is the same answer for this week. The blessing of peace cannot happen, does not happen apart from Jesus. Peace be with you. Jesus be with you. It is a fundamental truth of our faith that Jesus is the peace that is with us. He embodies it. Scripture, how do we know this? Because Scripture tells us. We believe this to be true. Scripture tells us that Jesus is the embodiment of peace, just as he is of love and grace. Peace on earth was declared when he came. Peace on earth and goodwill to men. That wasn't just some frou-frou nice thing to say because the stars were all opened, the heavens were opened, and the stars were shining. It was a declaration of truth. Peace be with you. Jesus, God incarnate, is on earth. Peace be with you. And Scripture tells us he left peace as a gift. Even when on trial, even with the criticisms and the afflictions, he's peace. Do you know anyone in your life that being in their presence brings peace? Where you just get around somebody and you just kind of go, I just like being next to you. You can have that with Jesus. If you don't have that with Jesus, I'm telling you, you can have that with Jesus. And that's the way to peace. That's the path to peace. When we find Jesus, when we find that way to get to him, it could be sitting on a beach. It could be in our quiet places. It could be in our places that usher us into peace. But the one that won't fade is Jesus himself in the midst. There's 
things we can do to get into the presence of Jesus and to find that peace. And sometimes it's super hard. And sometimes we can't do it alone and we need each other. When, uh, when I hear of teenagers who have said, life's too hard, I can't do it anymore. I don't have any answers. I don't know where to go. There's, there's nothing else for me to do. I just want to scream. It won't stay that way. It won't stay that way. Because everything in this life is fleeting. It's all passing away. But the thing that's not passing away is Jesus and the peace and the hope and the joy and the love that he brings. It doesn't pass away. It's why we have such great mess, a great message to give. It's why he says, I'm sending you to do the same. I'm sending you to be peacemakers, reconciliators. I'm sending you to be the messengers of my gospel, which is peace, eternal peace with Jesus. Being in his presence brings peace. It's infinite and it never fades. And I know that this isn't helpful always. That's why we need to join together as a community and keep talking together and praying together and praying for one another and blessing one another. We cannot do this faith journey alone because I believe this to be true, that peace is not the absence of affliction but the presence of God. And when we're in the midst of affliction and in the midst of a hard time, we need each other to help guide us to peace. I pray that for Bridgewood. I pray that for all of us, that we would be a community that would help be the feet that help guide people to peace. Jesus, it's the reason for the season. It's peace on earth. So peace be with you, each of you. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are peace. Thank you that you sent your son and that we celebrate that this season, that you sent your son who is the Prince of Peace. I pray, Lord, that you would be our guide into that peace. It's worth fighting for. Thank you, Lord, for the way that you have um, provided for us this fourth quarter of the calendar year. I pray that you would bless the offering now, that you would multiply it, and that you would help us be peace bringers to our community and beyond. In Jesus' name, amen.